Everybody, welcome to Fully Puffed, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Grace, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Catherine. Hello. And Ebo. Hello, hello. So today we are talking about season one, episode seven, Kiss and Tell. And we are going to start off with an episode summary. So this is the episode where Rory gets her first kiss. Just to back up a little, she goes into the market where Dean works to see him. And while he's trying to get her to guess what hand he's holding his soda in, he surprises her and gives her a kiss. Rory tells him thank you and then rushes out of the market. She runs to Lane to tell her about it. And she's about to tell Lorelai, but she realizes that she can't because the last time she and Lorelai talked about Dean, it was in the first episode, when Rory didn't want to go to Chilton because she just met Dean and she's worried that Lorelai is going to freak out and disapprove of the whole situation. However, Mrs. Kim, Lane's mom, overhears Rory and Lane talking about the kiss. And when Lorelai stops by the antique store to pick something up, Mrs. Kim tells her that Rory was kissing a boy in the market. Lorelai is upset that Rory didn't tell her about it, especially when Rory continues not to say anything. And she goes to the market to spy on Dean where she runs into Luke and the two of them kind of lightly stalk him together. Lorelai worries that Rory keeping this from her means that her relationship with Rory is becoming more like the relationship between her and her own mother, Emily. So this is all happening at the same time as the Stars Hollow Fall Festival. And when Rory gets home from working at the festival, Lorelai confronts her with the fact that she knows about the kiss. She insists that she's okay with it, but it's very obvious that she isn't. And it's clearly very, very awkward. And they then go to the market to pick up some junk food to eat while they watch Willy Wonka. And Dean is there working the checkout. When Rory goes across the street to rent the movie, Dean comes out to give Lorelai something that they forgot at checkout. And Lorelai invites him to come and watch the movie with them. When she tells Rory that she invited him, Rory very obviously freaks out. But since there isn't anything that she can do about it now, she decides to go along with it. And so Dean comes over and they end up having a slightly awkward, if pretty good time watching the movie, all three of them together. But then Lorelai goes into another room to give them some hangout time one-on-one. Rory goes in to see her and reveals that she really likes Dean and that he makes her nervous. Lorelai reassures her, and then while Rory waits to return, she goes back to Dean, and Lorelai has, quote-unquote, the talk with Dean, which means that she tells him that she's watching him, and that the whole town is watching him, and that he better not hurt Rory. Dean counters with a talk of his own, which is that she and the town can watch and threaten him all they want, but he's not going away. He tells Lorelai that he needs her to like him, because if she doesn't, he doesn't have a chance with Rory, since Lorelai's opinion means everything to her. Lorelai then tells him that she doesn't like him yet, but that she wants to, and that she, quote, usually gets what she wants, unquote. When Dean leaves at the end of the night, they kiss again, and Dean, mirroring what Rory said about their first kiss, says, thank you. Rory and Lorelai then lie in bed, and when Rory asks her what's wrong, Lorelai admits that she hurt by the fact 
that Rory didn't tell her about the kiss. Rory then gives her all the details, and that's where the episode ends. Yay. <laughs> we have a lot of really exciting stuff to talk about with this one and some differing opinions about the episode. But do you want to go into your writer-director thing, Catherine? Yeah, I'm excited because this is directed by Rodman Flender, which, by the way, is an amazing porn name. And we'll be talking about porn later in this episode, but it's not a porn name. This is a real man's name, a real man who, in my opinion, his greatest credit is being the uncle of Mr. Timothy Chalamet. He also directed the like 1999, 1998 teen, like MTV teen horror movie, Idle Hands, which is one of my favorite movies. And I watch it every Halloween. He also directed multiple episodes of Party of Five, The Office, the Scream TV show. And then it was like a weird deep cut that my husband would love. But he also directed Leprechaun 2. Oh, my God. Well, that's just the, the cap on his film careers. <laughs> Rodman Blender, everyone. Wait, Idle Hands has a 15% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah, people, I mean, it. Hey, they hate it. People hate it. It was like, got such bad reviews and it's so good, I promise. That's how you know it's a really fun movie when it has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, that's, um, you know, Rodman Flender's greatest hits. And then the episode was written by Genji Cohen. She, of course, we've talked about her before. She's produced some episodes. She's best known for being the creator of Weeds and Orange is the New Black. And then fun fact that I found out about her is she also did TV writing in the 90s. She wrote one episode of Sex in the City and one episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> Timely, because they are doing a gritty reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I was just about to say, did you see that they're doing a like dramatic reboot of Fresh Prince? I'm so into it. Why did they make a gritty reboot of that show? It was so fun. Well, there was this kid who made a, like a his own trailer for a gritty reboot. Oh. And Wilson Smith side. I just like that story. I think that's really cool. That makes me like it better. I thought it was just a shameless cash grab, but that's actually cute. Yeah. I've never actually seen Fresh Prince. What? what? You didn't watch Nick at Night? I did. I don't know if it's aged super well, though. It has a lot of like very special episodes. <laughs> There's one episode where they like go to a massage parlor. That no. gets rated. What? Were you watching some sort of special Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that I did not have access to? It's a Thanksgiving episode and I like, go to relax, but it's like, it's not a massage parlor. It's a massage parlor. And as a kid, I didn't understand. And I was just like, wow, that's like really weird that the massage parlor got rated by the cops. And I think my parents were like, were just like, oh yeah, that's, that's weird. And they never explained it. Wow. Why did they need to address the very special issue of erotic massage parlors on television? I don't know. Well, that's actually appropriate for this episode because we will have a discussion of Boogie Nights. Yep. The episode itself starts off with a very dirty joke. So I guess that's a segue into it. Should we start the episode summary? Yeah. So I can take that scene. So it's the fall festival all around them and it's really, really cute. Lorelai and Rory are walking to Luke's and they're talking about how they haven't done laundry in a while. They don't have any clean underwear, though it is revealed that Rory has been secretly doing laundry on her own, uh, which is a classic. 
Rory move. And then when Rory is trying to get Luke to like come over and pay attention to their table, she's like, my mom's not wearing any underwear. And then later after Lorelai has been hassling him, Luke tells Lorelai, don't sit on any cold benches. I love this exchange and I think about it all the time. No tip. Here's one. Don't sit on any cold benches. I can't believe they got that in the show. This is also a scene where we get like, I think our first Taylor Dozy appearance, right? Yes. Or like Taylor being Taylor. Cause he yes. might've been in the background or like at a town meeting, but this is the first time he like tailors out. <laughs> so it's a pretty short cold open. And then we get Rory going into Dozy's market, which is Taylor's store. It's like a mini supermarket. You know, they're definitely like upcharging people. I'm like, oh, they must be spending a fortune. They could have just gone to like driven out and gone to Costco somewhere, but I get it. It's not Stars Hollow. Yeah, they could have gone to Stop and Shop. <laughs> oh, we got to Stop and Shop. <laughs> we love a regional chain. Taylor and Dean are trying to set up a display of canned cranberry sauce that's supposed to look like <laughs> the Mayflower. And it both looks nothing like the Mayflower, but also like a little more than like the Mayflower than it should. Like if you squint at it, you're like, oh yeah, that could be a ship. Yeah, like that looks like a boat. <laughs> And did you guys notice, I noticed it's for the first time that Taylor's putting his little figurines, the, his pilgrim figurines on it. <laughs> oh, is that what those are? I was like, what is he yeah. trying to situate there? Yeah. <laughs> and then Dean comes over to Rory and she's buying cornstarch for her thickening needs, which I always thought was cute. And he offers her a free pop. She clowns oh. on him as she should, because it's embarrassing that people say that. Do you say I- pop, Catherine? No, it's grosses me out. I think it's like the, like I have like truly like I'm like a reaction. Yes. I think that is like horrifying. And then he puts them behind his back. I play this game with my dog. So (laughs) I'm like, Sasha, which hand is the treat in? And she always gets it. And then while she's trying to figure it out, he just kisses her. Grace, I think pointed out that like he kisses her without consent. And I feel like at first I thought, oh, but it was a cute moment. And then I was like, you know what? I think that is kind of weird. I think most first kisses are like, there's build up. And then there's, do you mind, do you mind if I kiss you or something? And it is kind of odd that he just goes for it. I don't hate this moment as much as I should. Me too. I think it's cute because I don't see this happening in real life ever. Like it's so TV that I I'm not put off by it. I mean, I think it's cute too, but I like, I don't know when you said that, I thought, oh yeah, most first kisses I think do ask for consent, but like, just like acknowledge, like, do you mind? Cause you're both nervous. I know it's hypocritical of me because I did point it out, but I do think that I like Evo's reading of it, that it's like so TV that it works. Like it feels like a narrative convention and you're able to like separate that out. But I think it works like as a narrative moment. I don't think it works as a real life moment. So Catherine, when we talked about this before, you were like, can you imagine getting your first kiss and like not having a chance to brush your teeth or anything like that before? <laughs> well, that's why, that's why, the, truly the, this scene had never bothered me. I start hating Dean at a very specific moment in this, in this episode <laughs> and this is not it. But I was like, yeah, I mean, I would want to know if I was about to be kissed if I just gone like out of school or something. I don't want to like at least have some gum or I don't know. I don't know if I would want my first kiss to be in dosies. I think that would be my main objection to it. Like there are a lot of people around and Rory's adorable, but I would make, I would have made like a really funny face or like done something incredibly embarrassing. 
so she says thank you and I know that we're like oh that you know we're supposed to think that's silly and cute and like somewhat embarrassing but like that's probably the least embarrassing thing she could have said or done I was trying to remember my first kiss was first school play so it was in rehearsal for school play oh that's what about you guys if you don't mind sharing like embarrassingly late freshman year of college I'm not late I love that yeah, with this gross boy who lived next door to me. Oh my God, I didn't know he lived next door to you. Yeah. That's the only embarrassing fact of this story is that that's the most college thing of human history. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Republican who works in investment banking now. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's or like wealth management. I didn't know at the time. <laughs> You're not culpable in it, don't worry. Not my fault. <laughs> My first kiss was the summer before freshman year of high school, which at the time I felt like was really late, even though it wasn't. And it was at summer camp. Classic. <laughs> but I like knew I was going to get, <laughs> I chewed some gum beforehand and I had freshman year. So I was, I was prepared. I went in determined to be kissed. I like, because it was in the script and we had a rehearsal schedule. So I knew. And so I was, and also it's really embarrassing. I had a crush on the guy. Oh, like a year and a half after, but it's actually not cute because he is my dean. He was like a controlling, emotionally abusive jerk, and I think he's the reason that I hate dean so much. Oh, for a second, you meant like he's your academic dean at UVA. And oh. Why has this That's been reported? <laughs> That's a really weird coincidence, Catherine. No, no, he's my he's my Jared Padalecki. <laughs> Oh, don't say that. No. <laughs> uh, wait, so before we move on, I want to mention that we found out that Jared Padalecki was in an extremely weird movie about the painter Thomas Kincaid. Just want to mention that. He was you think a- he knew who that was going into the project? Absolutely not. I don't know when this was. It had to be after Gilmore Girls, but pre-Supernatural, because now Jared Padalecki doesn't need to do movies like this. I don't think he needs to do anything ever again. No, he's so rich. But yeah. So then Rory runs to Lane's to talk to her about it, which is really sweet. And she inadvertently shoplifts the cornstarch, which is adorable. And then she runs to Lane's to tell her about it. And Lane is really excited. And I just love this moment between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. Mrs. Kim, of course, knowing like she's everywhere overhears Rory telling Lane that she got kissed and she makes a comment about like what what is this getting kissed and Lane says by god mama and she says okay and walks away which is just peak Mrs. Kim but also you know she's smarter than she seems and we'll learn that later Mm -hmm. it's established later that multiple people like Babette knew about the kiss so who knows maybe Mrs. Kim found out maybe she went to Dosey's and people were gossiping does Mrs. Kim go to Dosey's or does she go to some weird health food store that we've never seen and never will see Uh, she definitely goes to a health food store she orders food on the internet remember that's was established she like ordered a bunch of tofu yeah she orders like bricks of tofu off of the internet and we have the classic delivery of the line I got kissed and I shoplifted which I think is really cute I love it I love the way that's like so kind of deadpan and like chaotic at the same time. 
Okay, do you guys think so? So Rory is very excited to go tell Lorelai. But then she's like, oh no, I can't because Lorelai gets weird when I talk about boys. And, you know, I was going to not go to Chilton because of Dean. Uh, do you guys buy that? Or do you think Rory's overreacting? I think it's not rational, but I think it makes sense that like someone would think that. Yeah, I can understand how she jumps there. I do think it's a little bit much though. But also I am 26, not 16. Uh, Yeah, I have to put myself back in that age. And like, absolutely, that's something I would have thought. The ironic thing is I don't think Lorelai would have been upset about that if that were the only issue. But Mm -hmm. the fact that she saw the bracelet giving in the last episode I think that fact that like if Rory had told her now she's sort of aware that Rory is already keeping secrets from her and I think she may have had like a slightly off reaction because of that but yeah Lane is like Lane doesn't buy this at all though she's like what the frick are you talking about yeah Lane our sensible pal but yeah then she goes home and Lorelai is on the phone trying to get the fridge fixed I always thought this scene was really funny with like Lorelai trying to imitate the fridge noises. Yeah. She also has a great pair of hot pink clogs on, which I specifically wrote down. Yeah, the whole this whole outfit is like a it's a it's a whole thing. It's very 2001. Yeah. Very 2001. It's aggressively ugly. It's like a bandana and a crochet bandana though. Yes. Crochet bandana and some sort of like tie-dye-ish shirt and quarter length sleeves. Three quarter length sleeves is imperative. Like a base, like one of those like baseball shirts kind of. I think it's really ugly and I think that it looks great on Lorelei and I love it. And I think the reason I love it is that it's one of those outfits that only Lorelei could pull off. No, she looks cute. It's just a lot. It is a it's lot. Like, it's not just tie-dyed. It has like rhinestones on it. It's not as bad as the Rachel jacket that we will later get, but... Oh, the Rachel jacket is hideous. And doesn't seem like something Rachel would wear anyway. No. No. <laughs> so bad. Oh, I-, I did want to point out that like, this is kind of dumb, but a continuity thing that's always bothered me is that... Is it when... Lorelai tells her that there's Chinese food in the fridge later on and we've already established that the fridge isn't working. No. Oh, that's really (laughs) Sorry. Okay, well then there's multiple continuity things because it always bothered me when they're going to doses and Rory's like, we have stuff at home and Lorelai's like, what house are you living in? Because the fridge I just left was empty and I was like, it was just established that there's tons of food in your fridge that was all over the floor. But yeah, the Chinese food you're right. I was thinking about later when Lorelai is opening the dragonfly. She has like lettuce and cheese and stuff. And Rory's like, what's this? We never had food that you had to assemble in the house when I was growing up. And I always think back about this episode where all the food is just like everywhere. <laughs> I have also grappled with this because <laughs> they have like pickles and the kind of like side drawer food that like you would only have if you have other stuff in your fridge, like condiments, and things like that. They order takeout a lot, so I'm sure they need, like, ketchup and mustard. Oh, that's a good point. And, like, soy sauce and stuff like that and pickles. They seem like the kind of people who would have pickles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's a very realistic representation of being on the phone with people who are trying to help you fix your appliances. This felt like me on the phone with the Comcast guy. And they're like, (laughs) you'll come today. We'll be there next week. Yeah. It's funny because like Lorelai always succeeds at every other customer service interaction. And you think she's going to get off the phone and be like, 
yeah, they're going to be here exactly what I said. And it's like, no, even Lorelai could not bend the fridge repair people to her will. Does it bother you guys when she says, I hate my life? Or is that just me? I always feel like, don't say that around your kid. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just like very early 2000s, like melodrama. It's like a small issue and it's the kind of thing you say, I hate your life over. Like if Lorelai really hated her life, she wouldn't say that, but she hates her life right now in this moment because her freaking fridge isn't working and that's annoying. I have a genuine question for you guys. When I rewatched the episode this time, did you think that Rory was kind of considering telling her in this moment? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I didn't notice that before. I don't think I did either. So she really came away from Lane's like, I'll say something. And then because Lorelai was like too distracted, she didn't. Do you Mm -hmm. think she's like eventually going to tell Lorelai on her own terms? I think she wanted to, but you know, as you put something like that off, it gets harder and harder. Yeah. I've always taken it as like, there's this moment or not always, I guess, but this last watch, I took it like as there's this moment where Rory was like preparing to be vulnerable and share. And it was at the exact moment that Lorelai was like, I hate my life. And then she was like, okay, never mind. I had never noticed this moment until this watch, but Rory, when she comes in, puts the cornstarch on her dresser and like looks at it in a really cute way. And the little like, "Mm," and like puts it right next to her mirror, which I think is really sweet. Yeah, that's Um, very cute. Another like adorable Alexis Bledel moment. And then we cut to Kim's Antiques, which is a great moment between (laughs) Lorelai and Mrs. Kim. I love a Mrs. Kim Lorelai interaction. Yeah. Mrs. Kim confronts Lorelai about the kissing and I just, the way she says kissing, it's like she's so grossed out by the idea that she's grossed out by the word. In the market. Mrs. Kim is like canon asexual. (laughs) Mrs. Kim is sex repulsed, (laughs) which we get confirmed later when she talks to Lane about sex on her wedding night and she's like, if you're lucky like me, you'll only have to do it once. Oh my God. (laughs) Mrs. Kim. You are such an icon. I do wonder though, like, should she have told Lorelai? I know that there's some sort of like mom thing going on, but it's not like later on in season four when Lorelai tells Mrs. Kim where Lane is. Like Rory's not in danger. I mean, maybe her, maybe her spirit and her soul is if you take the position of Mrs. Kim, but I don't know. I don't think she should have told Lorelai. Well, presumably she didn't know that that Lorelai Lorelai didn't know. Yeah, that's a good point. But it's still none of her business. (laughs) No, it's not. I always kind of took it from the the tact that she was worried that like Rory was corrupting Lane Mm. and sort of like wanted to give Lorelai a sort of talking to. So it's like, don't let your kid do this because your kid is corrupting my child. I've never read it in any other way, but I'm interested in that. Like Mrs. Kim is snitching on Rory. I think the larger question for me in this entire episode is, like, why does Rory even need to tell Lorelai? Yeah. That's not something I've ever thought about before because I was really close to my mom. I told my mom stuff when, you know, big things that happened in my life. But by the end of this episode, I was like, you know, it's really not anybody's business, but Rory, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about that now? Like, should Rory have told, does does Rory have an obligation to tell Lorelai? Is it different with their relationship? Is it really about the fact of the kiss itself? I think if you take it from the like best friends perspective, not the mother daughter perspective, 
it like makes a lot more sense why Rory feels like she needs to tell Lorelai because she like wants to tell her this exciting fun thing that happened in her life but then she like steps back into the like oh this is my mom I don't know and also like a lot of like goes back to those like larger themes of this season where Lorelai is confronting the fact that Rory's getting older and is like doing things without her and is like becoming her own independent person Lorelai's reaction here seems really throughout the episode seems really over the top especially with like she's so upset that Rory didn't tell her she's so upset that that this signals that they're not as close as they used to be and then she invites Dean to hang out with them but I think a lot of it makes more sense if we read it through the lens of like what we saw at the end of last episode Mm -hmm. and episode period where it's like Lorelai just saw Rory have this interaction with Dean where he's like giving her a bracelet and she's just realized that she doesn't know her daughter as well as she thought she did after having an extended interaction with her mom in the last episode where it's like her mom doesn't know her and her mom doesn't know her as well as she thought she did and it's all this meditation on their relationship and how not close they are and she freaks out number one she sees the bracelet stuff and then now the kiss seems to be a huge confirmation that Rory isn't as close to her as she thought she was and I think the overreaction to this like Lorelai would always be upset I think that Rory doesn't tell her about the kiss but this doing this stuff like inviting Dean to get mm-hmm. you know to watch a movie with them which is like objectively kind of crazy it's weird it's so weird <laughs> so weird and we'll talk about it I think that makes a lot more sense in the context of like she's afraid that Rory is going to go live this other life away from her just like she did with Emily and now Emily doesn't know anything about Lorelai's life so in an attempt to prevent Rory from having this like other life that's entirely separate from Lorelai she tries to like incorporate Dean into their into her life <laughs> she tries yeah. to like, yeah and I it, like bring that in so that she won't have that type of relationship with Rory and I think if I read that through those lines it makes a lot more sense to me yeah that being said I'm very close to my mom and I did not tell her about my first kiss and I did not feel the need to yeah for me it was just like because it was a school thing everybody knew my mom knew when I was going to school I was going to be getting my first kiss that day (laughs) it's like all right Um, good day for you Catherine I think I probably would have told my mom but it yeah it's a weird it's a weird question and I'm not saying Lorelai's being like creepier that it's some sort of like awful violation of boundaries but it did I did think about it and I was like why why would Rory feel like she owed Lorelai this story Mm -hmm. I don't know I think it's that she feels like she owes it or is it just like a like she wants to I don't think there's like an obligatory aspect to it more so than like uh this is my friend and I want to share this I don't know like that actually a lot I think that's a really nice way to read it um because she's so excited to tell Lorelai right in the beginning scene when she's talking to Lane right before she realizes that Lorelai might get mad at her Mm -hmm. so I think maybe over the course of the episode it becomes more like okay I have to tell my mom about this but like I think the driving impulse is like I want to tell my mom because she's my best friend and I'm really excited to like talk about this super fun moment in my life with her I think it gets clouded by like the really awkward (laughs) Dean getting invited over thing. Like I think that always overshadows the actual kiss moment for me in the episode. So Lorelai like knows about this and she's really upset. And we cut to Rory and Lane at the fall festival dressed as pilgrims in their outfits, which are adorable. I've I've laid it on the line. Is it problematic? I love this scene. I love this scene. Yeah. Classic stars hollow. 
Oh yeah. And I wanted to remind viewers, I don't know if we've talked about this, that Keiko Ajana, she's like 27 or something. Just yeah. She's really old. I mean, sorry, that came out <laughs> wrong. A lot. She's <laughs> me at 26. 27 is so old, um, but she's like so much older than Lane is. Yeah. And like, obviously Alexis Bledel is a few years older than Rory is supposed to be. I think she's like 20, but yeah. <laughs> Keiko is like a full decade plus older than Lane. She's an adult. She could like rent a car. <laughs> She, like they both just look so sweet and young and like adorable in their bonnets and I just had to remind myself I was like yeah she's fully an adult she's almost 30. <laughs> she's older than I am yeah. I also do want to point out that in this interaction we get a Liz Fair reference which is like very very late 90s early 2000s. Wait what's the reference? I miss it. In Dean fact. Yeah they're like talking about what kind of music he likes and one of them is Liz Fair. <laughs> Right, Liz Fair and the Sugar Plastic. And Nick Drake. Yeah, Dean Facts. Yeah, Lane has been doing like recon on Dean. It's like very best friend to do. Oh, I think it's played so well. This episode has so many great Rory and Lane moments. Mm-hmm. I saw something interesting on the Gilmore Girls subreddit this week, which I have been thinking about ever since. This person posted this and thinks this, and I agree with it, which is that I've always thought that Paris and Rory are better friends or like have a stronger friendship than Lane and Rory do throughout the course of the series just in terms of like growth and like being there for each other I don't know we can talk about this when we eventually get to seasons four and five but I think that's really interesting yeah Yeah. like right now Lane is like obviously Rory's ride or die but as the series goes on she just becomes kind of like that person who Rory expects to always be there and where she like never does anything for Lane yeah I think definitely I think they have a really sad friendship actually like later I mean now it's fine but it like never progresses past this Mm -hmm. as they get older part of it is we also see like Paris and Rory we see their entire friendship on screen and Mm -hmm. it feels earned in that way because it goes from like they don't like each other to their friends to they're not friends they are and like keeps building whereas I see like for Lane you're always sort of taking supposed to take for granted the fact that they're best friends and like soulmates so I think it can feel even like early on like well what what is their friendship based on except for the fact that they've known each other for a long time I think in the later seasons it gets really forced and the show kind of tries to acknowledge that but doesn't do a great job yeah we've already seen Rory like lying to Lane about go you know that we talked about this already but when she's going to go like spy on Dean at Josie's which was weird to me. Like I said this when we talked about it, but like if I, when I had crushes in high school, I wanted my best friend with me, like whatever interaction we had, I wanted that buffer. And then, you know, we're going to talk about this more. I, I think it's next week's episode. Yeah. It's um, love and war and snow when Link gets upset about this. Uh, rightfully so because Rory's being a terrible friend. Yeah. So such an interesting this- contrast between like how she reacts here, where she's like really taking it in stride and like super excited for Rory and how she reacts next episode and I think that is because Rory is being a bad friend in the next episode whereas like they're both really excited and it's cute here after well not after Rory's still on duty as a pilgrim (laughs) with collecting cans but she runs into Luke's to get a quick lunch with Lorelai and Lorelai by this point of course already knows about the kiss and she's sort of waiting for Rory to tell her and she tells this extremely long protracted and very obviously fake tale about a soap opera couple reuniting and having their first reunited kiss and 
Rory is just completely oblivious to what is happening <laughs> and like grabs uh, something to eat essentially and goes back. And Lorelai is frustrated that she is unable to get the kiss out of Rory. So she decides to go into Josie's market and basically, you know, kind of stalk Dean. With Luke. Basically with Luke. Luke. He bumps in. He's already in there to like get a refill of something and he bumps in and they have a really cute stalking Dean moment. Yeah, I love this scene. Yeah, she refers to Dean as a Lothario. (laughs) (laughs) You think of anyone who is less of a Lothario than Dean? I know. (laughs) But to be fair, he does like Boogie Nights. Maybe he fancies himself a Lothario. I also love these like Luke and Lorelai friendship moments where you can tell that they don't just have a transactional relationship. Yeah. To do like a fashion point, they're also kind of matching. They all have, they both have like red on and they look like they're styled together and they both look so individually hot and hot as a couple that it's just really killing me. I think they look great together. They look like they're out of a hot L.L. Bean catalog. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) really do. This is like the first real Luke Lorelai like sustained them doing something fun together interaction that we get in the show. Hmm. I never realized until this rewatch how little we get of Luke at first. And this makes you see like, oh, they can be conspiratorial together. They have a lot of chemistry. Let's root for them. I don't remember where I saw this. I think it was when I was trying to find the director for this episode. Someone online or on the, I think it's the Gilmore Girls Leaky pointed out that Luke was not supposed to be a main character at this point, like mm-hmm. early in the show, but that he had such good chemistry with Lauren Graham that they, they kept him on and made them end game. It was also I, supposed to be a woman originally. Yeah. What? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Like yeah. the female diner owner who I think was only in the first episode, right? Yeah. I feel like the, Luke and Laurel, I feel like Endgame from the first episode. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, I always forget that, but that he wasn't supposed to be a main character, but I truly had no idea that he was supposed to be a woman. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it just, they jump off the screen chemistry wise together. Like I knew yes. that Lauren Graham and the guy who plays Christopher were really close and they have great chemistry too, but like, Scott Patterson and Lauren Graham have fantastic chemistry in the show. Oh, right. Last episode, too, when um, he, we, this is what we talked about this. Um, when he brings the ice. He brings the ice. They actually really do have great chemistry in that scene, too. Yeah. Hallelujah. Suki's <laughs> <laughs> line delivery there is so funny. There's also like a really funny Alexis Bledel line delivery in this, scene, in this episode. It's like two scenes from now when after Lorelai invites Dean to come to watch Willy Wonka with them. At the end, she goes, okay, in the weirdest voice. And I have started doing that voice all the time by saying, okay. It's just very exasperated. And it's like, okay, like what is that? I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) But yeah, they do a little light stalking of Dean and they talk about how he's mishandling the lemons an obvious metaphor for how he'll handle Rory. Luke is like, you're being ridiculous, but you can tell he's having fun. And then, oh yeah, then they start talking about Christopher and how Dean reminds Lorelai of Christopher. No. So they walk out and Lorelai is like, why is this bothering me so much? And she's like, you know what's really weird? He looks a lot like Christopher. I can't picture a human being who <laughs> less like Christopher. They both he's, have, like a, he's a brunette, average-looking white man. He's a white man with light eyes. Like, 
he looks, Christopher is about a foot and a half shorter, first of all. There's no physical resemblance. No. The only thing I can think of now is like, maybe they hadn't cast him yet. But then why didn't they cast someone who looks like Jared Padalecki? <laughs> they had the option. I think maybe they, and I don't know if they want to do this to themselves, but they were like, we're not casting around Jared Padalecki. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not worth it enough for this. Gilmore Girls never recast anybody. Oh, except they recast Mia, which like, okay. But I think if they'd recast Jared Padalecki in season two, we would have all been like, okay. And yeah, we'll talk about this soon, but... I think Dean is a crappy character. Like, I think he's a bad person. <laughs> but a lot of, I think, the reason that I dislike him is maybe because of Jared Pad, like, the way that he delivers his lines. I think that maybe his confidence reads as smug to me. He comes off very, very smug. Yeah. yeah. Catherine, when we were talking about this before, this is the first time I've ever thought about that. But I think that is also a lot of the reason I dislike Dean. It's because mm-hmm. he's not written to be annoying. He's written to be like, you know, self-assured and confident, but he, Jared Padalecki he can't act and he's making the wrong <laughs> acting choices with all of this. And I think it, it just, he's so irksome. And when you compare it to somebody like Jess or Logan in the later season, who I think take characters that could be very, very annoying on the page and sometimes are, but like do things with them acting choices wise that make you root for them mm-hmm. and you root for them even more, I think, than the way the character is written. Right, like I shouldn't like Logan, but I do. Yeah, I find myself constantly liking Logan in spite of myself. And I think so much of that is Matt Zugri's acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he makes the role so fun and magnetic and like he's, he always has that sparkle in his eye. Whatever the opposite of that is, is what Jared Padalecki does with Dean. Because Dean is written to like suck much less, especially in the first season. But he's yeah. the one we're supposed to like. Yeah. And the show like wants us to, but he just can't, he can't perform on that level. Yeah. I want to get to. Yeah. That actual scene. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So Lorelai has the conversation with Luke where she's like, I don't know why I'm freaked out about this. Looks like Christopher, but also like, I don't want to have a relationship with my daughter where we don't tell each other things. That's the relationship I have with my mom, not the relationship with me and Rory. And that is really what I wanted to, to talk about what I referred to earlier, which is that like, I think that she's still mulling over what's happened with Emily in the last episode. And I think it has more to do with that, like is a sign that Rory is pulling away from her or what she interprets it as a sign that Rory is pulling away from her rather than like she's reacting in strange ways. I think it does make sense. It may not be healthy, but it makes sense emotionally. Yeah, I agree. I didn't connect these two episodes in my head when I watched them. And when I started thinking about like, oh, this comes immediately after the bracelet scene and the Rory's birthday party stuff. I was like, oh, that justifies a lot of like, not justifies, but is a way to read a lot of the weird decisions Lorelai makes in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. But she does ultimately decide to confront Rory about the kiss. <laughs> Rory oh my God. One of the most awkward scenes in the entire show. <laughs> I don't like how they play this. So, kissed any cute boys lately? Yeah. Like, has her head in the fridge with the, the Chinese food, which, as Ebo said, where did that come from? It's a cute shot. Props Rodman Bender Felder. This <laughs> is, like, from the perspective of the food in the fridge. <laughs> I think it's really cool. I'm like, oh, look at them doing that. 
So, right. So Lorelai confronts Rory about the kiss during the fridge headshot and basically is like, Mrs. Kim told me that you were kissing. And Rory is really caught off guard. And I think that this is a crappy way to do it. Out of all the, you know, Lorelai's so nervous the whole episode, like, how am I going to confront Rory about this? And then it's like, in the worst way possible. Yeah. Just like, very passive aggressive, very, (laughs) just like uncool. And Rory's like, you're upset about this. Lorelai's like, no, I'm not. Rory's like, yes, you are. And she's like, no, 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 I'm fine with it. And they have like this extended, very painful and awkward back and forth about the whole thing. So Sunday night, they're going to Dosie's. They're going to rent Willy Wonka. Grace, you love Willy Wonka. Yes, I'm extremely pro Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Eva? I mean, it's, it's a classic. I'll start there. If I saw it now for the first time, I think I would find it nightmare inducing. That's where I am. I don't hate it. Like, I just was terrified. I was so scared of it when I was a kid. So... This for me is a formative movie. I watched this all the time as a kid and I was really scared of everything as a child. So I'm very surprised that I wasn't scared of this movie, but I loved it. I love Gene Wilder. I love him and everything else. I love Blazing Saddles. I think he's so cute. I love his his marriage with uh, Gilda Radner, but I can see why people would find it very frightening because it does have some extremely scary imagery. And for me, I was always like, oh, I love that they're watching Willy Wonka. This is my ideal movie night too. Like, I love the idea of getting a ton of like red vines. I don't like red vines, but I love the idea. And like junk food and pigging out and watching Willy Wonka. But for you guys, do you not have these like happy associations with this idea? I love a theme. And I love leaning into a theme. The never ending story scared the crap out of me as a child. And I hate it. And I understand that's like a very formative movie for a lot of people. So that can be my Willy Wonka to other people. Yeah, it scared me, but in a way that I loved. I think Willy Wonka scared me in a way that I really enjoyed. Plus, I love chocolate. So I think that this was a very appealing idea to me (laughs) to be surrounded in like a chocolate world. Plus, I love saying the name Augustus Gloop. I say it a lot, but that's what they're renting. So they're going to go buy red vines and a ton of other various junk food. And Lorelai says that Willy Wonka, you can't watch it without copious amounts of junk food, which I agree with. It reminds me of the fact that in a couple episodes later, Lorelai's like, they don't even have the real red vines to Mrs. Kim about the black and white movie theater. (laughs) But here at Dozies, they do have the real red vines. And of course, Dean is there because he works there. So Dean is ringing them up. And when they tell the other cashier that they're going to watch the Willy Wonka movie, she's like, oh, is that the one with Gene Hackman? And Dean's like, Gene Wilder. (laughs) So we're supposed to know that we have to like him because he knows the correct movie references. (laughs) I mean, before they even get to the checkout, though, I'm going to backtrack by, like, two minutes. Rory and Lorelai are, like, buying on slash looking at Dean in a similar manner as, like, Luke and Lorelai were. And Lorelai makes a weird comment about Dean's body. I forget exactly how it plays out, but it's something like she's waiting for him to turn around. And Rory says, like, yeah, that's good, too. And I'm like, ew, that's your daughter's soon-to-be boyfriend. That's gross. I'm sorry. It's extremely gross, and it anticipates the fact that in season two, Lorelai and Dean have some weird sexual chemistry. When he changes the water bottle. (laughs) I've never read it that way. I cannot wait. Oh, (laughs) I have some opinions on this. Like, I I don't, I can't imagine my mom saying something like that about my wife. (laughs) 
it's yeah, it's very odd. But then in this exchange too, Rory has a line that says, uh, "You're not Lane. You're my mother," which I think like checks Lorelai back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when Lorelai yeah. invites Dean to. Sorry, I got ahead of us. Yeah. Oh, no, but that's what I wanted to talk about. So basically, after they check out, they Rory's like, "Oh, I need to actually rent the movie," and Lorelai's like, "Well, I want to go grab coffee from Luke's." So they split up. And Dean comes out and is like, oh, you forgot your red vines. Lorelai's like, thank you. And then they have kind of an awkward like pause. And Lorelai decides to invite Dean to watch Willy Wonka with them. Even Dean is weirded out by this. (laughs) I think that if someone did this to me, like if my mom did this, I would have had the exact same reaction as Rory. I think I would have hyperventilated. This has never bothered me, actually. Until this watch. Because... I am very introverted and so I need like buffer people. It's not that I'm shy. I just like, like that's like energy output, you know? And so I like having buffers in social situations so that other people can talk and I don't have to feel like the pressure's on me. So like, this is something, and it does work out, you know, it ends up going well for them. So I've always just thought, yeah, that's, that makes sense. But for some reason, like, you guys mentioning how cringy this is, I was like, oh no, that's actually really not cool that she did that. Yeah, I thought it was weird, but I also think it like, you can tell that I don't, like she's not doing this to be malicious. I think she just like legitimately does not. She's like thinking Rory friend, not Rory daughter in this situation. Yeah, I think she's trying to be like a wing woman here. And I think Catherine's response to it makes a lot of sense to me. Like maybe she realizes that Rory is just kind of too shy to ever invite him to hang out on her own so you know she can help make the situation a little less awkward plus they're already doing something plus it feels more casual than like uh come over and we'll like like sort of a date kind of situation just thinking from it from my perspective I would lose my mind but I also think Rory doesn't she doesn't ask Rory's permission before this so Rory has no chance to be like no (laughs) and that's why I'm like oh god like this is to me this is a nightmare yeah but and also it's just not cool socially to invite uh, someone else without asking the permission of the other yeah, regardless of the relationship yeah because in yeah. general don't do that Rory's not even confident enough to like go say hi to Dean on her own like she's still freaking out even though they've had a kiss and now the idea that he's gonna like come into her house and be forced to hang out with like her mom who she loves but she's like will Dean find this humiliating and lame I think it makes her just want to crawl out of her skin yeah, and also yeah. it's like interrupting her chill out night. Yeah, she just wants to like be in her pajamas and relax, and now she's going to be on for a guy. That's what she says. She's like, "Oh, this was supposed to be an night where we watched a movie, ate tons of junk food, and then got really, really sick." I'm like, "What a perfect night that sounds like." And that, but now there's this like social pressure. Yeah, and that's why. So basically, when she tells Rory, Rory like her eyes pop out of her head. And she's like, why would you ever do this? This is so weird. Like, she's very upset about this. And I think this is the reaction I would have. As Ibo said, she's like, you're not lame. You're my mom. Because Lorelai has said, well, like, I was just trying to be your girlfriend. Like, what if Lane had done this? And Rory's like, this is not the same thing at all. (laughs) You're not Lane. You're my mother. Stop saying that word. What do you mean? Like, there's supposed to be another word after it. And then Rory's like, oh, it would be as if Emily had invited a guy you like to hang out with her and you. That is not true, first of all. 
No, I don't think like if Emily had, I mean, first of all, Emily wouldn't be hanging out, you know, I think, I just, I think that's like a false equivalency. Yeah. But I think it maybe gets Lorelai to see what she's doing as inappropriate, as weird. Also, you know, it makes her, she's been, she's been doing this because she wants Dean in their lives. So Rory's life doesn't feel separate from hers. So now she's like, oh God, this is backfiring even more. (laughs) Yeah. And this is when Rory does the, the the weird okay. Yeah, she's like, okay. Or or like, okay, we're going to go through with this. Because what else can she do, right? There's no other option. It's weirder if you cancel. Yeah. So they go home. They're going to get ready. Rory has no idea what to wear. I like this scene where Lorelai advises her on what to wear after Rory asks. And she holds up this top and she's like, you know, just simple cute top it says like I'm relaxed and I'm smart and I didn't think about what I'm gonna put on and it's really really adorable and Rory's like how do you do it how are you so great around guys I'm never gonna be able to be like this and Lorelai is very effortless (laughs) around guys so Lorelai gives her a pep talk and it's like it's practice and also you're halfway there don't sweat it it's a great parenting moment like juxtaposed with the bad parenting moment that just came before it (laughs) This is this next scene. I don't mean to jump ahead, but this next scene is where my Dean hatred blossoms. So. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's get into it. So, all right. So let me set, set the scene and you guys can tell me if you think I'm overreacting um, because I, it's possible that I'm reading extra Dean hatred onto this. But so Lorelai and Rory are sitting. They've got all their like food set up. They're sitting on the couch waiting for Dean. He's half an hour late. So they're like, oh, what, like what's going on? They're very nervous. And then they look out the window and he's talking to Babette and Maury. And it's clear that he has been like trapped in this awkward conversation. Maury's like sitting at the piano indoors and Babette's talking to Dean outside. And I just think, I mean, I don't want to get to like respect your elders or whatever, but I just think Dean is so rude in this scene. And I understand that like he's, it's awkward that they have commandeered him into their little conversation and not let him go. But I just, I feel like a genuine smile from Jared Padalecki would have like made the scene better, but he just looks at them like, all right, crazy people, I'm out of here. I don't know. Do you, what do you guys think? Did you read any of that or was that just me? Well, I do want to say that, so Dean, you like jazz. It's one of my favorite lines of the entire episode, if not the entire series. And it may be my vote for what we call this episode of the podcast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like kind of empathize with him. I hate that I'm saying that when you're just like trapped in a conversation and you have no idea how to get out of it. Like a half hour is a long time to be chatting with your like soon to be girlfriend's next door neighbor. This too, but I also empathize with Dean, or at least I don't think it's bad. I think it's because a half an hour is a really long time. Dean has no idea who these people are. <laughs> they are a little quirky. I would love to be in a conversation with them for a long time, but I don't think any, I I think it takes a certain personality type. And also Dean has been invited over to the house of the girl he likes and is trying to date. And he's a half hour late because of this. And I think he's probably nervous about like what the heck they're going to think now that he's a half hour late. And he's probably like, okay, like trying to excuse himself from the conversation. And he, you know, it hasn't worked because it's Babette and Mari. I do think that this is one of the moments where a better actor could have played it more charmingly. Mm-hmm. I think like with a little smile or with like a <laughs> okay would have worked much better like imagine a Logan in this scene 
I was just about to say that like Logan would turn on the charm and he'd be like, all right, it's been nice talking to you. Um, what does Maury says? Stay cool, kid. And he, he would have been like, stay cool, Maury. Like also I understand Logan is an adult. Dean is a teen, but I don't know. I was just thinking like, and maybe it's the people pleaser in me that I always try to like, even if I'm in an awkward conversation, I like want people to feel like valued as people and awesome. not be obvious that I've like annoyed with them and want to get away. But I feel like after so Lorelai comes out to like save the situation. And I just feel like she diffuses the awkwardness and all Dean had to do was just like smile and be more polite, but he's not. <laughs> this scene is fine for me. Later in the episode, I find Dean extremely annoying. There are a lot of parts of this episode that are very, very cringy. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the one that takes the cake is when they go inside. Lorelai's giving him the house tour and he and Rory like linger in the door frame of her bedroom. Like that little scene just like makes my skin crawl. It doesn't feel like a cute guy that you like is coming to see your bedroom. It kind of feels like he's making fun of her stuff. I texted you guys a screen grab of it yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Her stuffed animal, her stuffed rooster. He has the meanest look on his face. And again, this is where I feel like he, he picks up the, the stuffed rooster like seriously and he gives her this look like really you have a stuffed rooster and any other actor I think could have played that like put it down and laughed and was like no that's cute or something like he could but no but he doesn't no you know what would have been really cute in this scene Adam Brody as um, yeah he, he uh, played this so well the whole he could have been a great dean he could have been a great dean oh I would have really believed that and imagine how he would have reacted to Babette and Maury. Oh, so well. How he was always so, no matter how awkward and awful Mrs. Kim was to him, he was so polite to her. So do you think this is in part the writing and in part the acting, or do you think it's mostly the acting? Man, I think it might be the acting. I think it might be a 60-40 split, 60 yeah. acting, 40 writing. Because I think that they are writing him to be uncomfortable with Babette and Maury, and I think they're writing him to be a different kind of guy than Dave Rogowski. But I also think that an Adam Brody would be able to take this material and convey what the lines are trying, what the message that the lines are trying to send, which is like, you know, he's a teenage boy. He's a little awkward. He's a little aloof, but he's like warm hearted and sweet mm-hmm. versus like he comes across as very standoffish. Yeah. They've told us that Dean is Midwestern, which is just not coming through with his portrayal of him at all like a western boy would be used to like older middle-aged older like, middle-aged women just like wanting to chat that's a really good point I never thought about that I'm just thinking about it now but he is from Chicago so he's not and we're I mean what people say they're from Chicago and they're from suburbs but the implication is that he's actually like lived in the big city so maybe that's some of it yeah but do maybe. you get a city vibe from Dean no, <laughs> I have yeah. a lot of money on Dean being from the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dean is from like Deerfield. I don't know where that is, but I endorse that sentiment. Oswego. Actually, my aunt who um, is listening to this podcast and my awesome cousin are both in Oswego. So no hate to Oswego. I love it. I love you both. But it could be the hometown of Dean potentially. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Slander. 
but yeah, he's he's not big city. He should be Midwestern nice and people pleasy. And I think they got caught up with casting a guy that looks like Dean too much and maybe less on the personality side. Mm-hmm. They went yeah. for form, not function. So Dean does a tour of the house, Rory's room, and then they sit down to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So they sit down to eat pizza and they house it. Like (laughs) they really, there's like a cool device where you see the time has passed because like the pizza slices in the box, you know, go away. And I'm like, oh, nice job, Timothy Chalamet's uncle. And (laughs) so Dean's like, wow, you really can eat. Rory's like, yeah, I can. And she's like, oh, that's bad, isn't it? Dean's like, no, most girls don't eat. I like that. Yeah, it's bad. Like every part of it is bad. Don't comment on what anybody is eating ever. The like implication of like all girls are like starving themselves is bad. Also, it like makes me so sad that you can tell that Rory has internalized this message of like women aren't supposed to eat. And like that, that is sad. That's not bad. That's sad. I mean, it's also bad, but like in a different way. Weird because like she and Lorelai do eat. Lorelai never has any negative messages around eating around her. No. And she's always trying to stuff Lane with food, but it's clear that she's internalized from somewhere that like teenage boys want like cute, dainty girls who don't eat. And I guess that's the first time we've seen Rory really having internalized a message like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a weird comment to me because uh, I don't know, it's like very specific early 2000s diet culture. But it bothers me because the point is, right, that they do eat so much and that's a good thing. But it's one of those things where like portraying it as good to be a woman who enjoys eating has the message, like the implicit message that that's not normal. And I yeah, to like that. celebrate something as good kind of inherently means that whatever the opposite is, is bad. You also know that like, and this has been said before, if the Gilmore girls didn't look like that, they wouldn't be having, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Dean wouldn't be like, oh, it's so cute that you eat so much if Rory wasn't like 120 pounds. I asked you guys a few weeks ago if you thought that the Gilmore girls were cool girls in the sense of the cool girl monologue from Gone Girl, which I don't know if our listeners are familiar with. It's a pretty famous, you know, monologue from the, the book and the movie Gone Girl, but the Implication is that like the cool girl can eat whatever she wants. I mean, there's lots of qualities, right? But the cool girl is someone who's internalized male ideas about what makes a woman cool or attractive or whatever. And part of it is that she can eat whatever she wants, eat what the guy is eating and maintain a size. I think she says size two, or maybe size zero or something. And I mean, I, I definitely think we're seeing that here where it's like cool that they can eat tons of pizza, but only because they're skinny, you know? Yeah, only because they don't have any like visible effects from it. Yeah. One thing my husband pointed out is he was like, the Gilmore girls surround themselves with food, but we rarely ever actually see them eating. And I know that part of that is just because when actors are doing scenes, when they have to eat, they have to do multiple takes. And so they don't want to get sick or they want to use a spit bucket or whatever, which is a gross thing that they actually do. Uh, or they don't want to be chewing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to be talking with your mouth full. But I thought that was an interesting observation that like food is like a prop but they don't have any physical effects of it. They're very thin and they, we don't actually see them eating it. And I don't know, that's, I just think the whole Gilmore girls and food thing is kind of deeply problematic, even though on the other hand, it's also good that there's 
that they're normalizing just like women eating whatever the frick you want yeah I agree with everything that's been said I'm trying to put myself in like the early 2000s mindset which is like I remember there was so much diet culture talk on even like fictionalized scripted television about like Mm -hmm. you should eat this you shouldn't eat that so as much as I want to look at it from like my 2022 brain and be like you know, this is not a positive message to send about food, like that they're, they're super skinny and they eat a lot and they're, you know, that's not realistic and they're not shown like actually physically eating. I think that just seeing women eat on TV in the 2001, 1999, whatever year it is, may have been just a little more groundbreaking than it would be now. But I think that the closest the Gilmore girls get to being cool girls is in the presentation of how they are around food. Yeah, here, I, I I felt like I did a bad job of like describing it. So this is the actual, I'm not going to read the whole monologue, but men always say that as a defining compliment, don't they? She's a cool girl. Being the cool girl means I'm hot, brilliant, funny woman who adores football, poker, dirty jokes. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit over. Um, jams hot dogs and hamburgers into her mouth like she's hosting the world's biggest culinary gangbang while somehow maintaining a size two because cool girls are above all hot. I mean, yes, but I think that Gilmore girls in their interests, like really refuse those kind of cool girl stuff. Like they're like Barbara Streisand, the way we were Grey Gardens people. They're not watching the NFL people. That's a good point because the cool girl is performatively consuming that food. It's like male food, like beer and hot dogs and stuff. And they're performing that action of like eating the food for the male, whereas the Gilmore girls are eating in their own home. And in this case, there's a male present, but it's, yeah, it's that's kind of incidental. Like they were going to be doing that regardless of whether or not he was there. I yeah. think on a meta level, that got me thinking like the cool girl, if the cool girl is a male fantasy, Gilmore girls as a whole is a female fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, like Gilmore girls as a show. And we've talked about this before is not interested in its male characters it's not interested in developing them except for Luke. And it's not really interested in them otherwise than like their people. They're plot devices. plot devices and their people Lorelai and Rory date and we judge them by how happy they make Rory and Lorelai. They're there to be attractive and make Lorelai and Rory happy. This is a show where the women have really like female coded interests and like kind of esoteric female coded interests and are rewarded for it. Where they're rewarded for being smart, where they don't like have to dumb themselves down to pursue guys, where they can eat anything they want and not gain weight, and where they're rewarded for that too. I think it's very much like a fantasy girl show. Yeah. And, and I think that's why a lot of women return to it as a rewatch because like we see a lot of stuff that's appealing here that maybe we don't get in real life. Mm-hmm. And that ties into, I think, with people saying like, oh, Lorelai's too much, like she would never be allowed to act like that in real life. Like maybe we wish that we could act like that in real life or look like that in real life and be rewarded the way Lorelai is. I'd love to look like Lauren Graham. Are you kidding? Yeah, I would cut my arm off to look like Lauren Graham. Girl, drop the skincare routine. You know who looked so good in the revival? The actress who plays Emily. She's oh, unbelievable. She has an eighty day. Yeah. She's like 80. Yeah, she's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, but you know, one thing that I've been thinking since the show started and I like like we've just been talking about like Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel are obviously thin and conventionally attractive mm-hmm. but compared to I guess I'm really thinking more of like 2006 like the late 2000s how like anorexic chic was kind of like like if you yeah. watch Friends, how they get progressively skinnier the actresses get skinnier over the 
the course of the show and like, you know, Rachel Zoe's all of her, the, the girls that she dressed like Misha Barton and Lindsay Lohan and Nicole Richie were all like, like it's, it's nice for me to look at, I, I don't want to say body representation because they are conventionally petite, like they're thin women, but compared to how bad things got in the late 2000s, it is refreshing. Like Rory just looks like a normal, like thin young woman. She doesn't look, I know Alfred and I were watching this show called Point Pleasant. It was canceled, but it was on the WB. It was from the late 2000s. I was shocked by how unhealthy looking the women were. And they were, they were like teenagers. It just made me really sad. In the second episode, they say Rory's a size six. Right, uh, right. Which is crazy that they say that on TV, that Rory's a size six. Like the standard there was like zero or two. And yeah. I think that they do look much, especially by like 2000 six you know or even this point standards rather than now standards they look much more like not an average woman because they're exceptionally gorgeous and they're really really thin but they look healthier than other actresses what was the show with Shanae Grimes it was the remake of 90210 there was like like on Perez Hilton he said that there were there or there were all these allegations that they were having like contest to see who could lose the most weight on that show I mean that was just a really really toxic time for, for speaking female. of Perez Hilton he would draw on pictures of women and like point out they're fat and draw like penises on uh, them like he's a bad person, he's a bad person I, but that was this era of yeah. stuff, stuff that I, never would have flown now flew back then I loved Perez Hilton back in the day and I look back on it and I think like oh my God, that's disgusting and I can't believe I participated in that I used to read too don't feel bad as someone who was like I'm a feminist and I'm like 13 I was like I'm gonna read PerezHilton.com PerezHilton felt subversive at the time yeah that like is really gross now yeah and and I think this would have felt more subversive than the of the at the time than it feels now other than the weird pizza thing this is a relatively like fine interaction that they have after that, Lorelai goes into the other room to give them some space. I will say that Rory teases Lorelai for being in love with an Oompa Loompa. That's why Lorelai and I relate to each other because like, I'm that weird kind of person too. That like, <laughs> we're like, oh, the Oompa Loompas are kind of cute. Everybody's like, what? It's very Rory that she had a crush on Prince Charming. Mm-hmm. The only good line that Dean ever says is Rory's like, well, it was the Prince Charming from Sleeping Beauty, not Cinderella. And he's like, yeah, because he could dance. I think that was cute. Okay, plot continuity thing. And then he says, I've got sisters. No, you only have one and her name is Clara. <laughs> and see, you can't dance, so maybe put a little more effort into that. I can't believe that just when the sisters comment went over my head. Yeah, yeah that always bothers me. I'm like, they could have gone back and edited that, just like cut the ass out. And also like, Clara is so much younger than him then he would not have the like context to know that women find men who can dance attractive. Rory's just sitting there looking at Dean and she's like, she freaks out because she thinks he's really cute. And I think she probably expects that he's trying to kiss her. And he, she just runs off into the other room and is like, you know, sort of breaks down to Lorelai and is like, I really like him. I'm nervous. I want to make sure that nothing I say to him sounds remotely moronic. Lorelai's like, when your heart is involved, it all comes out in moron, which I think is a cute line. We jumped over Boogie Nights though. Oh my God, how could we have jumped over Boogie Nights? I contend that the weirdness starts with the recommendation of The Way We Were because I fully tried to watch that because of the show and I 
was like extremely unimpressed. So Lorelai suggests for next movie night, maybe they'll watch the way we were. And then she leaves and then it's just Dean and Rory talking and he suggests, listeners, Dean suggests to watch with his girlfriend and her mom the Paul Thomas Anderson film Boogie Nights about porn, the porn industry. Like, Boogie Nights. I've got this scene like three times a week because of how weird it is. You could have suggested Saturday Night Fever and got... Saturday Night Fever is really dark too, but like you don't have that immediate reaction where you're like, Boogie Nights? This is on you, Genji Cohen. What the hell? Yeah. Only reacts to it like it's a normal movie suggestion. Like if someone had said that and you were like vibing with Dean until then and you were like in, you were worrying the situation. If he suggested Bookie Nights, it would be like a record scratch moment. You'd be like, what? For listeners who do not know, not only is it about the porn industry and Grace, <laughs> we were texting about this yesterday where I was like, isn't it about the main kid, Mark Wahlberg's character, his porn name is later Dirk Diggler has like an enormous piece of male anatomy. And I was like, is that right? I, like, I'm remembering this right. And Grace, you go, that is literally the plot of this movie. The plot of the movie is that Marky Mark's character goes into porn because he is so well endowed. That's the enabling conceit of Boogie Nights. That's it, yeah. Yep, that's, that's it. Does Dean see himself as this character? Like, what is this even trying to say here? Like, if I suggested my girlfriend and her mom and I watch a movie that is about the, the pornography industry with a young male character who goes into it because he's so, he's such a big package. I, what? If you're like in Dean until this moment, you're like, what? It must just serve to be like a signifier that like Dean likes, likes Paul Thomas Anderson. Dean, an intellectual, like subversive cinema. And it just fails. It's like and it comes off as like, Dean is a sex creep. <laughs> yeah. Dean has like thousands of porn DVDs in his basement. I think about this constantly. I don't get it. It is the weirdest thing ever. We've been talking about like, is it the acting? Is it the writing? Is it the directing? This is where I'm just like, it has to be at all because they've created such a bizarre, bizarre character. Like, if you suggested that for just him and Rory, actually, that might be worse. I don't know. Oh, no, it would not be worse. It would be bad, but it would not be worse. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, honestly, I think it. we've, we've yeah, we've talked about how like, Dean is proto-Jess. Jess would not do that. <laughs> well, no, but I think it must just be like Paul Thomas Anderson was like known to be an intellect, like the thinker's director. Also, you're the second person I know who watched The Way We Were because of Gilmore Girls, which I think is the ultimate level of fan dedication. I need to do that. I know you didn't like it, but I feel like I should watch it. I do love the fact that they say, hold on, I want to make sure I get this right. Well, and it, what you're about to quote, like, yeah. it wasn't just like I wanted to watch it because they liked it on Gilmore Girls. I thought that this was an intriguing premise. Like, the yeah. Lorelai Selma, I was like, I'm down for that. They say heartache, laughter, communism, all in one neat package. I'm like, yeah, that interests me about the movie. I'm like, hmm. Okay. There could also be Casablanca. Or or Dr. Zhivago, which I love Dr. Zhivago. And I think that then I was like, hey, I should try the way we were. And I thought it was so freaking boring and I just didn't like it. But I feel like Lorelai and Rory would like it. So 
Rory sort of like tries to get Lorelai to come back out and she agrees. Rory's like, we can't go out together because it'll look weird, which is a classic like high school teenager thing where it's like, we can't come out together. Like we have to stagger. So Lorelai says to go out, she goes out first. And then of course she uses this opportunity to kind of like shift gears entirely and give Dean the talk, not the sex talk, but like the everyone in Stars Hollow is like watching you talk and like, you better treat my daughter, right? The like dad talk. That's a good point, actually. She shifts from mom mode into dad mode because she is like all parental figures. Although, by the way, Grace, I I wish that now that you said that, I wish that she had given Dean the sex talk. Maybe Dean needs the sex talk. Actually, no, he's watched Boogie Nights. He's very aware of sex. He also had a girlfriend back in Chicago. Her name was Beth. I like the name Beth, but I understand that Rory is going to hate anything that Dean's ex-girlfriend was named. But yeah, Lorelai sits down and this is where... I mean, there are just so many weird Dean moments. And I was being too picky, I think, about the Maury and Babette one. This is legitimately odd. And I think this is on Jared Padalecki's shoulders. Maybe the director fully rolls his eyes at Lorelai. Who does that? <laughs> she sees him do it, too. Yeah. He's also in her house. I know. So Dean's had a girlfriend before. And he must know this is like standard talk that like any parent is like, hey, listen, be nice to my child. She doesn't threaten him with a shotgun. She's kind of like, hey, and she kind of prepares him for the expectations of what the town is going to think about, right? Which is like actually like very nice of her because she knows that like Stars Hollow is a weird place. But Dean counters this by doing the most inexplicable thing I can think of, not just rolling his eyes, but he decides to like give a talk to Lorelai of her own, which I think if the moment where you're like trying to cut Jared Padalecki like some slack and he's like 17 and he's a bad actor, or whatever, is the moment you turn on him as a character when you're like, what is this? Because he's like, hey, you know, I just need you to know one thing, which is that I'm not going anywhere. And you can, you know, warn me and threaten me all you want, but like, I'm still going to go out with Rory. What? <laughs> he is like aggressive. It reads as smug and threatening. It's baffling to me. That anybody would would think that director, hey, hey, Amy Sherman Palladino, Daniel Palladino, Chalamet Uncle, and Genji Cohen, all of you guys, somebody should have stepped in and fixed this. And it's also weird that like Lorelai doesn't immediately hate him after he makes these comments. It's weird because I think the reason she doesn't is that he's like, and I need you to like me because you're so close to Rory and that Rory really respects your opinion. And if you don't like me, she's not going to like me. And I think after a whole episode where Lorelai's worried about her relationship with Rory going off the rails and like Rory having a whole life with her without her that she doesn't know about, this is really comforting for her to hear. But if that's the thing you want to get across, if that like you're, you want your girlfriend's mom to like you, why is the first half of that speech what you just said? Thank you so much. You know, I really understand your concerns. I want you to know that I'm really interested in Rory and you're her best friend. So I would really like you to like me. How hard is that, Dean? Don't roll your eyes. Oh yeah, he sighs a lot. He acts very like petty. Like above all of this. Yeah. yeah. Or put out like, yeah. yeah, like above it all. Like, oh, I can't believe this mom's giving me this lecture. Uh, like you're sitting on her floor eating pizza she bought you. Yeah, like Dean, she paid for that. <laughs> also, I want to add, like, I'm not advocating that a boyfriend, new boyfriend has to be like a goody two shoes or whatever. The thing that I like about Jess is that he's just himself. Like he's very predictable. He's going to go in your house and steal your beer. And like, 
be rude to you or whatever. That's he knows it. Yeah. Yeah. But Dean is so like two-faced and I can't get a read on him. He's like supposed to be charming, but then he's like making fun of your favorite stuffed animal. And then he's like nice to your mom. He's rolling his eyes. I think it's like this sum total of little things. Yeah. What we're reacting poorly to here is that Dean is not written consistently. Right. That's like, also a really good point. Yeah. yeah. Logan, they arrive with like fully formed idea of who their characters are. And the show is trying to bridge like a really difficult gap here, which is to like make Dean like a nice guy, like a real nice guy, like a really nice person who's also like sort of aloof and like cool and like a little bit of a bad boy. And it doesn't, it's not writing its male characters well enough yet to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. that's a really hard thing to be able to achieve anyway. So the yeah. writing of him is so inconsistent, coupled with the fact that Jared Padalecki can't bridge that gap with his acting. Yeah, he has like the charisma of like a dish towel. Yeah. Right, like it just, it creates, a better actor could make this a more likable character, but I don't think they could remove those character inconsistencies because a lot of that is in the writing. Yeah. I will say though that the only consistency between season one and season two, Dean, is that he has an anger problem. And we see that come out here. And also, yeah, so, and then there's an article that I found about how my hatred of Dean is kind of a joke because he's a fictional teen. (laughs) I think it's funny to like hate a fictional teenager but uh, like more seriously I actually am very bothered by first of all speaking of tropes we've been talking about like female tropes the nice guy trope especially in this era of television is a huge problem and Mm -hmm. the nice guy who's like he's a nice guy so therefore he's entitled to whatever he wants he's entitled to treat a woman however he wants and usually the nice guy is also extremely controlling and and has an anger issue as dean does and i just want to point out to like i don't know younger viewers or whatever that like this behavior is not normal like and he truly is so the article i was going to send you was like pointing out dean is actually like an emotionally abusive boyfriend (laughs) and he's controlling and that's not okay and he's portrayed as justified and nice and a good guy throughout the show and even in the reboot and with the people are calling out that ladies you do not have to put up with that well I think one good thing about the fact that he's written so terribly and the fact that like he's not a great actor is the fact that like it works he's not appealing right the show's trying to say that you should like Dean but like everything is working against that how unappealing he is and like no I think it's really encouraging that nobody likes Dean like when you yeah, it's like trying to tell you that you like him not show you that you should yeah. and and like when you look at those polls about people who like like each character it's like everybody's like team jess or team logan but nobody's team dean because he sucks and like the effect yeah. more girls has i think while they're, they may be trying to get you to like fall for this nice guy is actually like oh you want to sleep with jess or logan <laughs> yeah it's just like Gilmore girls that's the impression to me you're like ew dean like go sleep with jess if you're going to like throw away your relationship with your mother over a guy, at least, at least he should drive a motorcycle. Yeah, like, <laughs> consistency here is Lorelai's like, if you're going to, you know, she says before, if you're going to throw away your life for a guy, drive a motorcycle, she tells Dean, like, you're not, she's not coming on your motorcycle. Dean's like, I don't have a motorcycle. Three episodes later, he does. No, wait, do you guys read that? Cause is it a euphemism? Like going on your motorcycle? 
Oh my God. I thought it was more of a reference to Christopher because when Christopher goes to Stars Hollow for the first time, he pulls up on a motorcycle. Right. I think it is too, but then why give Dean a motorcycle in the later episodes? I don't know. If it's a euphemism for like going, like, like <laughs> a ride go- on the motorcycle, yeah. Ride. yeah, then it's just weird. But if it's not, then Dean is lying about having a motorcycle. So either way, this is another weird, weird, weird interaction. Dean leaves. He kisses Rory goodnight, and then he says thank you, which mirrors what Rory says, which is cutish. I'm like, okay, you get half a point in my book for that. <laughs> half a point, and you're already in the negatives. Yeah. And then Rory and Lorelai cuts back to them like hanging out in Lorelai's bedroom and Lorelai's clearly bummed and Rory's like, why are you upset? Lorelai's like, no, 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 I'm not. And Rory's like, yeah, you are. And Lorelai's like, well, I just kind of wish you had just told me about it. Not because like I wanted to know, but I just wanted to hear like the play by play. I think that's really cute. I thought this was really cute. It's a great scene. And then it looks like Rory's going to go to bed. And then she comes back and she's like, mom, okay and tells and starts giving her the play-by-play and she's like oh you know we got I got kissed on the in the like ant spray aisle that's a good aisle (laughs) she's like that's what Lane said which is really funny and then the episode ends I've always liked this episode I don't know why there's so much awkwardness and cringe in it but I think the fact that we get so much good stars hollow stuff and that we get I don't know just something about it maybe just a movie night in general really appeals to me what do you guys think even though we've spent most of this episode talking about all of the problematic stuff and all of the stuff that's bad about this episode, I do like it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that I wanted to say at the beginning that this is actually one of my favorite episodes and it's one of my comfort episodes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say that initially because I thought I'm about to rag on this whole. <laughs> <laughs> but it's truly, it's one of those like the Bracebridge dinner. Yeah. And I just put on just I, I just said something about the movie night coziness I just love and yeah it has such good Gilmore Girls coziness vibes and I think that that supersedes the awkwardness that'll be something interesting we can talk about in the future about like what makes a Gilmore Girls vibe episode and how much does that have to do with the plot or like what actually is going on in the mood of the episode a lot of the comfort episodes do have like a, a comforting plot but some of them don't why did Catherine and I put on the Hobbit, the sofa and digger style so much? Okay. That's also a good episode. It is. <laughs> but like, why? Uh, my longstanding obsession with Lord of the Rings probably has more to do with that, but I don't know. It's- There's like dorm coziness and, and Yale stuff. And, and I love Jason. And so I don't, there's a lot, there's a lot in that one, but yeah, that's how I feel about like, I don't have a longstanding obsession with Fiddler on the Roof. But uh, like of Jews and Chinese food, it's such an awkward, like the Rory plot is so bad, but like the Stars Hollow Lorelai plot is so good that I find it comforting. So good. I like to watch, this is like a really weird comfort one, but I like to watch the one that's like a couple episodes from now when it's the Christmas episode and Richard's in the hospital. And I know Catherine finds that one so tense, but I just really, there's something about the Luke and Lorelai interactions there that I really like. Santa Burger. Oh, yes. the Santa Burger. And I love the family stuff. I think it's really cute. So there's yeah. comfort episodes that we watch for maybe inexplicable reasons. And this is one of them. This is a solid classic Gilmore Girls episode, I think. What would yeah. you guys want to rate it? I have so many competing opinions now that I'm actually freezing up. I, I don't know. I can go. I'm going to give it an eight. I was also leaning eight. 
especially for being season one like I think this is one of the first like good episodes yeah this is a good this is a genuinely good episode of television yeah it's not just a good season one episode it's like a good episode yeah and eight only because of my dean hatred has to (laughs) to deduct two points podcast people Ebo had to go leave to go for a hike but Catherine and I here are here to do some segments well the funny thing about the segments this week is that we've hit a lot of these like just talking about the episode yeah um but I guess let's start with beauty um okay I think that this show is slowly brainwashing me into thinking that frosted light blue eyeshadow is like it I honestly thought the same thing watching this I was like she looks so good I want to look like this how can I style myself to look like this and I feel like with the like early aughts fashion like coming back in style maybe we can maybe we should start this trip you know what? let's just do let's just go for it honestly like why not I am obsessed with Lorelai's red crossbody messenger bag that you pointed out the red accents when she and Luke are spying on Dean. It's so good. Love it. It's so it's cute. Fantastic Outfit that Lorelai picks out for Rory for movie night. They make this huge production out of it. And then it's just like. It's a sweater. Sweater. It's a red sweater. It's a red sweater. I think it actually does convey what Lorelai means, which is like, oh, this is like kind of a chill outfit. But like, Rory, you could have just put that on. <laughs> but I do like the speech Lorelai gives her. And I think it. Yeah that actually is the right vibe for this kind of occasion. I just, I always LOL at like how easy it would have been just been to pick that out. <laughs> but I guess that's the point that like Lorelai can put a magic spin on it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. One um, of the things that they say in season two, like Rory's like, that's my mom. She likes to take things that aren't pretty and make them pretty. And I think it's kind of that vibe. Like Lorelai can always brighten up a situation or take a, what looks like just a red sweater and make it feel so much more significant. Yeah. I mean, she does look cute. But oh, it's horrible. Like, it's horrible. After the whole, like, production of picking up the outfit, it's just like... Just put the, put the sweater on over your head. <laughs> it must yeah. have been so easy to figure out. Um, okay, Dean is rocking the HGH hot guy hair. Oh, very hardcore. Which, listeners, if you don't recall, I think this is maybe from episode one. My husband and I have a term, hot guy hair, HGH which is the haircut, the 90s haircut, where they have, like, hair in their eyes. <laughs> it's, like, middle part, and then the hair, like, curls around <laughs> to your eyes. Hardcore Hawkeye hair, cargo pants. I thought that he was wearing a choker. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you like, mentioned that, I lost my mind. I was, like, I can see that. I thought he was wearing some sort of necklace, too, but, like, the idea of a jean and a choker is so funny. Like a puka shell. <laughs> Dean is a um, skull necklace in human form. Oh I feel like I've God. said that on the pod before. If I have, I apologize, but it's true. No, you haven't because that is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. That I could have oh, okay. I don't think we even need to do pop culture because we've been, I mean, the no, entire- about it. Actually, Kill More Girls, they think Dean is missing. So like it would be if Babette and Mari killed him. <laughs> they could have buried him in the gnome oh. garden with all the gnomes. I love that. I love that. I was having a hard time thinking of a Kilmore Girls, but then I thought, I don't think it's ever addressed. Like, why did the family, why did the, what's his, Forrester? Yeah, it's Forrester. I always forget. Why did the the Foresters come to Stars Hollow? What are they running from? (laughs) Right? Like, there's no reason they should have moved here. What are the economic opportunities in Stars Hollow? Nothing. Are those all the segments we have? 
Yeah, because we didn't do we didn't do pop culture, and oh. I was trying to think if there's anything else. No, I think we're good, and we rated the episode. So, mm-hmm. thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you next week.